So, so less shortages in the supply chain, but increasing shortages in terms of talent. That's the um, second big problem that the industry is suffering. We're seeing that everywhere. I visited four EMS companies last week in uh, in the US and Canada, and the same story everywhere. Um, any light at the end of the tunnel there? Any improvement? Any initiatives that you see working that are successful? Dieter, do you want to take well, that? Well, I, I think the biggest challenge is still, as Eric mentioned before, which we learned in all of the companies is labor. So labor issue is a big issue. Uh, people um, still have problems uh, to to find uh, qualified labor. Um, uh, once in a while, you think pre-COVID, it was not that, that uh, uh, difficult. Uh, and now you think, well, where have all these people gone? Uh, I can't imagine that they all died of COVID, yeah. So, uh, but, and or that they retired. But uh, all of a sudden, it's the biggest issue. And now, uh, if you look at the uh, production structure of uh, most of the companies, uh, as well as which we visited, we are talking about uh, uh, small or medium volume high mix. Uh, uh, manufacturing and uh, see whereas uh, uh, if I remember one factory last year in France where we saw a high degree of automation uh, with very very long lines where you uh, uh, saw only one operator uh, handling a machine that is the exception um, uh, it is not uh, what uh, the standard is uh, uh, in the European EMS industry, because the majority uh, of products is still uh, industrial electronics, and we here we talk about high mix and uh, uh, low to medium volume, and it becomes more difficult uh, to uh, look at automation. And again, when we talk about automation, uh, we should not look at PCBA manufacturing, because uh, there is already a lot of uh, uh, automation. But if you uh, go into a, an average EMS factory in Europe, uh, and uh, we see more and more companies doing box building as well, uh, then you can easily say about 30% of the labor on production is in the assembly, and 70% is in the box building. Uh, and there is a lot of manual work and uh, uh, different to what we have seen this year. Uh, we've visited this year a lot of uh, companies like, for example, in Slovenia and Austria, who are heavily involved in uh, the automotive industry, uh, whether it's LED lighting or whether it's uh, power controls or whatsoever, uh, that is a higher quantity. And they have been able to do a lot of automation to assemble uh, those products. But uh, when I remember one company last year in Sweden, uh, very much in the south, Eric, uh, there we saw a huge machine just uh, having been set up where they did the 
uh, uh, automatic assembly and they said well at the moment we just have one product where it makes sense to to do this kind of automation all the others it uh, uh, the amount of time it requires to set up uh, the machinery is too much yeah so uh, they do have a, a problem still on the other hand i'm watching it very carefully uh, what is being done on on the cobot uh, uh, site and in my opinion not only are cobots becoming less expensive uh, there are a lot of uh, very easy ways to automate uh, certain production steps with uh, cobot and uh, people need to to implement that uh, uh, to reduce the uh, required labor yeah no i agree with you and i think adaptable automation um, shows a lot of opportunity. I spoke to a guy, a uh, production manager at an EMS um, last week. He came from another industry into the EMS industry five years ago. And within his company, they have had five years where they doubled their revenue and reduced their headcount. Uh, and his first edict within the company was stop buying chairs. No, cha no chairs on the production line. Um, so but also having networked inspection systems uh, and so forth, so less people could operate the um, the SMT lines yeah. than previously. But again, but let's also put this in context of the, the discussion we just finished about limited capital, right? So the ability mm. to do this is, is impacted, right? So many would like to invest in more. They can't right now, right? They're just bound. Um, and then the, the piece that, that just the the complexity of what they're doing with the number of changeovers every day, right? Um, uh, and especially for the uh, the, the post reflow type, uh, those volumes just may not be cost justified. So the other question, answer to your question is where are they going? You know, they're going anywhere and everywhere to get it. And so we hear interesting stories. Two that I would mention is are some people who are importing labor from outside of Europe in, right? That's happening. And then uh, the touching one to me was uh, we were at a couple of facilities that had uh, women from the Ukraine who had to flee the war uh, who are working there. They're very good workers and all, but the concern is, is at the conclusion of the war, these people are most probably heading back mm. to Ukraine, so they don't see it as a uh as as a long-term stable solution for them um so people are looking everywhere and at the same time that's also a matter about uh elevating and educating you know kids you know younger people about the the opportunities that exist in this field and as many of them said you can't pay people to do that pin through you know do this all day right that just you you know nobody's going to do that so i i like the idea and we've seen some facilities where they're so automated you can bring in younger workers and say and it, look at all these all this automation look at all that we're doing here right as opposed to seeing them as just a manual laborer they're 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 responsible for some pretty cool equipment uh doing some very very uh high-end technologies so um and yeah. I always love talking about the products that are being developed and what's being developed there. And when you see that, it really brings it to life. And I think that's kind of one of the selling points for these companies as well. So, yeah, you've got to upskill. You've got to upskill the labor because it makes it more attractive for those entering the market. You've got to 
focus on automation that's adaptable and maybe to your point about investment you've got to look at that automation as a service solution which we're seeing yeah. offerings in in various different parts of the world i think um uh, i think that's a key part of it before we before we wrap up we've got five more minutes Dieter, perhaps just give me a quick overview on where you see the M&A market, the consolidation of EMS, um, just over the next 12 to 18 months. Well, um, at the moment, we already have uh, 35 uh, M&A activities this year, and we are just uh, in the middle of August. Uh, so I easily expect this year uh, to end up with more than 50, which equals uh, about 2.5% uh, of uh, all companies uh, working in this field. Uh, it has increased over the last two years. We have only started uh, watching this in 2021. Uh, it's in the majority of the smaller companies who are leaving. Um, actually, we had uh, two companies this year, one in Berlin, who closed um, at the end of last year and sold uh, all the assets uh, to uh, another uh, EMS company uh, and transferred as well the customer base. Uh, and... Uh, uh, on the 30th of June, we had another uh, small company, both companies uh, less than 5 million in revenues, uh, which uh, uh, just said it makes no sense to me anymore. Um, I can't see that I'm going to find a, a buyer for my business, so I'm shutting it down and selling the machinery. So uh, this is just two examples. I have uh, another example in the UK, uh, which was even very, very small. It was more or less a two or three people business. Yeah, uh, They are finally tired and they give up because uh, uh, it's getting more difficult in the business. So that is, is one uh, situation we see. On the other hand, there are definitely um, things which are positive in, in our industry. Uh, I mentioned before that uh, capital is not cheap anymore. Uh, this not only goes for the EMS industry, but it goes for OEMs as well. And if they are uh, having this problem of having to uh, increase their manufacturing uh, capacity, uh, it is much more likely now for them to decide rather than uh, uh, investing themselves in additional capacity to say, well, why don't we transfer this uh, uh, business to uh, a service company, to an EMS. And uh, uh, you remember, we uh, always say that about 41% of all uh, European electronic products are being manufactured today by EMS companies. And we think uh, that over the next 10 years, uh, this will pick up and uh, uh, in 10 years from now, we'll be talking about 46%. Uh, we see as well, whereas the average uh, uh, growth rate for the EMS industry from uh, 2013 to 2021 
was at uh, an annual average of 4.9%. This is going up to 6.9%, uh, fluctuating some years, uh, 7.5, but uh, others less. There are various factors affecting this. We are doing a lot of uh, very careful cons uh, calculations on this. You know, in the past, we had been very uh, uh, careful with doing projections uh, uh, of the future, but uh, we have so much experience by now. We know this industry so much due to our uh, first-hand and primary research we do uh, that we are now uh, capable of uh, projecting over the next 10 years. And that is, is very yeah. good. Yeah, uh, that's very valuable. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, we do see an issue, and you uh, can read it all over the places. The, the Chips Act, um, uh, the US has done a Chips Act, Europe has done a, a Chips Act, but that is not good enough. As uh, the uh, PCBAA uh, Association in America says, chips don't float. Um, we, together with IPC, are uh, heavily uh, talking with uh, Brussels at the moment um, to um, talk about supporting the full vertical line of production. Uh, as I mentioned before, it makes no sense um, if we build up 20% of, uh, uh, of global production being in Europe, but we only have 1.9% of the global production of printed circuit boards in uh, in Europe. There is only 172 companies uh, left in Europe manufacturing PCBs. And that is a very high risk because uh, we have very sensitive uh, uh, market segments uh, uh, talking, for example, about airspace and defense. Yes, 75% of uh, uh, PCBs manufactured for that sector are going um, uh, to European PCB manufacturers. But we have other uh, very sensitive sectors where we don't have uh, the capacity at the moment uh, or we where we don't get the orders because everybody is just shifting it all to, uh, to China and... Uh, we cannot uh, allow ourselves such a high degree of dependence. Dieter, but I did see this. Uh, the Tektronica out of Lithuania made their announcement that they've opened up their PCB fab. So they, we heard about that several years ago, and we met with them in uh, Estonia, and I and he said that they were planning this. Well, that's now in uh, has been open, so that's a step in the right well, direction. It's, it's the planning. Yeah. The planning has been approved. It's not built as of now. Yeah, it still needs. No, no. But I think the point. I think the point you make is really good, and that's that an integrated supply chain is the only way this regionalization activity <laughs> works. It's true of um, of of parts that go on the PCB. It's true of the PCB itself. It's true of uh, everything that goes into manufacturing finished goods in the region that they're going to be consumed. Right. And I think that uh, um, Europe d could not build an electronic product based on uh, sourcing just within Europe at this point. So that is seen as risky. That's seen as undesirable in the new in this new reality we live in now. So uh, I think there's actions towards trying to fix that. And I think that would also help uh, the whole reshoring thing. Right. Uh, 
you know, if you're going to reshore, you got to have these things available. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's fundamental. Gentlemen, thanks so much for your time. I always appreciate your insights. What I appreciate most is your insights are supported by solid, well-researched data, uh, and that makes them much more valuable. I very much look forward to your next tour. I'm in Guadalajara in Mexico. I'm going to go visit some EMS companies and find out a little bit more about what's going on here before I head back up to California. Um, but thank you so much for your time and look forward to the next EMS Informa on tour. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you.